books and reading with me Holly and me Nicola this week we have a Q&A episode since it's our second last episode of the year um we're going to start as we normally do with what we're currently reading but before that we have a little bit of news we do have a little bit of news um it's exciting news but also kind of sad news yeah I we haven't really talked about who's going to do the news (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the news is, this is both our penultimate episode of the year and our penultimate episode of the time being. Of the time being. So, as we head into 2017, uh, both Nicola and I's lives are looking very different and we both have a lot of work on and a lot of different projects coming up. So we have decided to take a little break from the podcast. Um, We're not sure exactly how long that break will be. We really do hope to come back with some new episodes after hopefully not too long, but we just need to cut ourselves some, a little bit of slack for yeah. a little bit of while. Yeah, it's been a bit busy with our change in time difference and it means that you're running home from work and I'm like trying to get my day together and do my other like regular work day around about it. So um, yeah, we're just going to have a think about how we can do that better in the future um, and take some time to be ready to do that so that we're not like missing episodes and stuff because we never want to be spotty with it. No, and I think we've done some, like a super good job of we always, we've never missed an episode. Yeah. Even though sometimes it has been pretty down to the wire. (laughs) Like today. (laughs) Like today. (laughs) It's usually on my part. Um, But obviously we're still pals. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll still be in touch as often. I realise this conversation makes it sound like we hate each other's guts now and we're having creative differences. I've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, that's our news. Next episode, last episode of the year, last episode for a little while. We will be back at some point, um, so stay tuned for that news. But as Nicola said, we are going to start, as usual, with what we've been reading. I've had a really busy couple of weeks. Yeah, have you not read very much? <laughs> well, I'm still reading See What I've Done by Sarah Schmidt, which I'd only just started when we last spoke, mm-hmm. and I'm almost finished. I nearly finished it on the train home, but then I fell asleep, so I didn't. I've got like 30 pages to go. Cool. But... I love it. It's so good. It's out in May and it is about a it's a it's a novelization of a true story about a girl called Lizzie Borden who is accused of killing her mother and father. It's set in like 1892 and um it's just about kind of what actually happened in the house and some of what happened afterwards and and how she, how her kind of trial went and stuff but it's it's really really gripping mm-hmm. um and i guess even though it sets it up from the very beginning that lizzie has committed this crime it also there's plenty of like doubt that's planted throughout the story okay. so um yeah really really enjoying it really looking forward to people reading this one this yeah. next year so is that one a novelization Yes, right. I, I, yeah, it must be because it's based on it's a real got, case, but it was one that was like never solved, right? Well, she, yeah, I don't think she was ever charged. Like, 
convicted. What's the word? Sentence convicted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it is based on true events. Like, okay. she was a real person. Her parents were killed in their home, and uh, she was there at the time. So, but you know, there were some other people there as well mm-hmm. that maybe could have been involved in certain ways. So the the, the novelization explores kind of their different motivations, and it was interesting because I was reading an article couple of days ago about why people are so interested in this case because there's been loads of other stuff around it like there's other books about the case there's a tv show mm-hmm. uh called like i can't remember if it's the lizzie borden diaries or the lizzie borden files or something mm-hmm. um so yeah it is an it is an intriguing story and i'm really enjoying it the writing is absolutely brilliant it's very evocative it makes me feel like i'm there i can totally picture the house and the way that it smells and the way that it feels. So, yeah, enjoying that one very much. Cool. What have you been reading? Um, well, I can't remember how far I was until Night Waking last time we spoke, which is by Sarah Moss. I think I was, like, quite close to the end. Um, and I enjoyed it, I think, more in the end than The Tidal Zone, which is her most recent novel, um, which I really loved at the time. But I think this one, I think being in the mind of a woman rather than a man made a difference for me. Um and it was just like a, it was interesting for me because it was a book about motherhood which is not something that I think that I'm interested in but then when it's done a certain way I do find myself gripped by it and this was like a kind of a reluctant mother so like she loved her kids but she just it just wasn't what she wanted to be doing with her life at that moment like she just wanted to focus on her academics and her studies and mm. her work um, rather than you know waking up in the middle of the night to like coo a child back to sleep so I thought that was a really interesting conflict um, and then there's like some other stuff that goes on around about her life as well and there's like um, some other people who are visiting the island that she's on and they have their own dramas and she becomes a bit of a go-between um, so I found that really interesting read, I really enjoyed that um, since then I started The Story of a New Name by Elena Ferrante which is a second Neapolitan novel I think oh, we yay. talked about that last time as well because you just purchased it right? That's right. Yeah, so I, I've been sitting on it since like February <laughs> and I kept thinking, all right, I'll read it before this or I'll read it before this or I'll read it. I was going to read it when I moved here. I was going to read it on the plane and then that didn't happen. So it was just, I just kept putting it off and I was going to read it over Christmas. Um, but I was just like, bugger, I'm just going to start it now. Um, I've read almost half, I would say. Um, I've been really enjoying it, but then I got commissioned to write a couple of reviews. So I've had to move over the time being so right now I'm reading Homegoing by Yeah Jesse, which came out in the US over the summer and it was a big debut hit and it's due out in January from Penguin in the UK so I think it's out on like the 5th of January so not long to wait if you're in the UK um, and I think the ebook is actually available I think they brought out an ebook but they haven't brought out the hardcover until the new year which is a bit odd um, but yeah it's a debut novel by um, I think she's from I'm not sure if she's from Ghana or if she's um, African American. Um, so it, the novel is it's like a big scope novel. So um, it takes in three hundred years in Ghana and America, and it follows I think like seven generations. So it kind of begins with one character, and you get almost like a vignette. It's kind of like a short story length story of of her life and what was going on. Um, it's about a woman in a Ghanan village who um, ends up marrying a white man who's like a soldier who's come as part of the slave trade. Um, and so this whole story of, of slavery and of uh, like imperial rule and like um, all this stuff between Ghana and the US kind of arises from there. And each each character that you meet subsequently, you kind of have to work out for yourself like where they came from and how they're connected to the characters previous. 
So like early on, I kept reading that this was about sisters, but then I was like, this person is being described, like the first character has been described as like not having any siblings or having a brother, but no sister. And then, you know, it develops as you learn about each new characters. So I've reached a point now, I'm a bit more than halfway through and it's gone into part two. And there was a character who doesn't appear to be connected to the rest of the characters I've read about so far. So I'm kind of curious about how the format's going to go from here. Um, but it's been interesting. I think it's it's really well written. It, it really paints a broad picture without like very kind of complicated or flowery prose. Um, so yeah, it's promising. I don't know. I think I'm maybe a bit more impressed than enjoying it. And it is quite depressing, <laughs> but um, so far so good. I can see why it's getting a lot of praise. Hmm. That sounds like a good one to watch out for. Yeah. Hmm. And have you been shopping? I haven't been shopping, but I got an e-arc for review of The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis. So there's two Israeli psychologists that it's based on. One is Daniel Kahneman, who did the book Thinking Fast and Slow, and then the other is called Amos Tversky. Um, and basically they worked together doing studies about our assumptions about the decision-making process. So like it was thought that like the economy was rational and that, that humans make rational decisions, but it's kind of they kind of broke that apart and found that actually people are very much influenced by what they see, hear, read, etc. Um, and so this is just kind of a... A book about how they collaborated and like the subtitle is a friendship that changed our minds which Evan was not keen on when we saw it in the shop the other day um, <laughs> but essentially interesting and like Michael Lewis is a really engaging author um I've only really read like his his articles like his longer form pieces I haven't read any of his books um but he gets a lot of praise and I think it'll be an interesting one so look forward to reading that that sounds like a an ideal book for the times we live in yeah definitely I'm sure it'll have like interesting concepts in it that will relate to other parts of our lives that we don't think about. Yeah. Hmm. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday I went to the library. So I picked up Today We Different by Maria Semple because people listening might remember that I read about half of it and then I just kind of gave up on it, um, which was partly because I was reading it before I fell asleep at night. And I think I probably had like one too many nights where I dropped off without really remembering anything that I'd read. Um, and also because it was an e-arc it didn't have any like chapter breaks so I was like I kept like scrolling back in it and I couldn't find my place so I I just got the hardback out of the library to give that a shot um again since you enjoyed it I thought I did and you're and you're right it doesn't really have chapter breaks Mm -hmm. it has just sectioning Mm mm-hmm so I kind of remember a point that I was at and I was just, I'm going to like flip through and try to find it and then give it another 20 pages and see how I go on. Okay. Well, good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> have you bought anything? I have bought one book as a gift. The person it's for will not be listening because she's <laughs> six months old. Um, She might be listening, but she won't have a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and I don't think my family pay, play my podcast to my niece but you never know. Um, So I found this really amazing book on Amazon the other day called The Wee Lassie Who Swallowed a Midgey, (laughs) which is, and it's like a Scottish retelling of There Was an Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly. And um, it's by Rebecca Colby. I hadn't heard of it before. It just sounded ace. So I've bought a copy Mm -hmm. to take to her at Christmas. Oh, that's cute. Which I'm very excited to read. Is Is that a Scottish story, The Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly? I don't think so. I think it's just been retold yeah. with Scots dialect and references to Scots animals, I guess. Yeah, that'll be fun. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I saw the other day that there's, um, on Boxing Day here in the UK, there's a... um, there's a, a film that's going to be on of we're going on a bear hunt, which is one of my favourite stories to read to kids. Oh, yeah, so that's a good one. So I'm going to watch that with her. I'm excited. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember how much of There Was No Ladies Will Apply that I can actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, can get, I can get to, like, Cat, I think. Well, I don't even know if um, I can get that far. I think it's Fly, Spider, Bird, Cat, Dog. Yeah, I, I like can't remember beyond there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like maybe a cow. Cows don't eat birds mm-hmm. in the real world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, people who haven't heard of this rhyme will just be so confused right now. We'll <laughs> oh put a link God. in the show notes if we can find it. So you can it never occurred it to me that people would not have heard of the old lady who swallowed a fly. But you're right; there may be some people out there who have not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll link it up. Yeah. So shall we? A some cues. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the first few that we got were from my booktube friend Joss we'll link to everybody in our show notes like their twitters or um, feeds and things like that so you can catch up with them Um, the first one that Joss asked was what are your most anticipated book releases at the moment we actually did a whole episode on this recently we did and then I think that if we link to that and then also I've got a couple of extra Okay, cool. that Go might answer it. that question. Um, so there's a couple of books that are coming out in January that are both by Random House, actually. And um, one is called The Most Dangerous Place on Earth by Lindsay Lee Johnson. Now, this book totally feeds into my favourite narrative <laughs> type um, of rich kids having a drama at school, yeah. um, which I have referenced mm-hmm. on many occasions. And just a little side note on that. Somebody did this amazing tweet last week um, called uh, this lady, Hilary, uh, is it Busis, I think, is how you say her surname. Um, and she is an editor of Vanity Fair. And she tweeted to say, what's your favourite hyper-specific subgenre? Mine is, we are so rich, oh look, someone has been murdered. <laughs> Which I completely loved because... That's basically mine. Mm. Um, but some of the responses to this tweet were really, really funny. Like, uh, we kissed to be a distraction and now we have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I like uh, adult female detective has trouble connecting with anyone besides the serial killer she hunts because she was orphaned. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true. Yeah. Um, and then over the hill creative type who just needs love with a younger person to rejuvenate their career. Um <laughs> which, again, is is pretty spot on. So, yeah, uh, rich kids in a school, having some drama. That's right up my street. Uh, it sounds like this one actually kind of takes it a little bit more contemporary in that there is an event or something that happens online that goes viral that has kind of consequences for a number of people in the story. So I'm quite intrigued to see how that one plays out. Cool. And then another one that I've seen a few people sharing pictures of because it's got a really beautiful, bright cover is called The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker. Have you heard of this? No, that's new to me. So it's also out in January and it's about these two best friends who work in the kind of really male-dominated animation industry um, and they kind of really slog it out. So it's a story about friendship and after 10 years they have their kind of first feature film and um, they're kind of up for awards and they're doing the indie circuit and stuff like that. But the success 
threatens to have a kind of negative consequence on their friendship. So I'm just really interested to read that one cool. as well. What's good. on your list? Um, well, one that I'm really excited for, which we've both already read, but I'm excited for other people to read it so we can talk about it, is Hold Back the Stars by Katie Can, which yes. we both have talked about. Um, it's about a couple called Karis and Max, and when we meet them, they're in space and they only have 90 minutes of air left. Um, and then the story kind of cuts back and forth between um, their time in space as it runs out and how they got there. Um, and I really enjoyed all the world building that she did in that. Um, it felt very kind of, it felt like speculative fiction, but in a in a very optimistic fashion where like we haven't destroyed the world and we're not in space because we're trying to find water or something like that. Um, but because like society has, has moved on in ways that we would hope in like progressive ways, um, but mm-hmm. that it still has problems, obviously. Um, so that was my favorite thing about that. I'm really looking forward to people to reading it so that we can chat about it some more yeah loved um, it and then i have another one which is out at the end of february um from bloomsbury here in the u.s it's called abandon me by melissa Feebos. and this is why i downloaded it it says for readers of maggie nelson and leslie jameson a fierce and dazzling personal narrative that explores the many ways identity and art are shaped by love and loss um so yeah that's kind of that was all i needed to read i was like well if you're telling me that i'll like it because i like maggie nelson and leslie jameson's all i really need to know um so yeah she worked as a professional dominatrix um and she has a memoir about that called whip smart and this one is more about her her um, relationships with people closest to her in her life so i think that'll be an interesting kind of counterpoint to what we might know about her already interesting and then I've talked about it a bunch, but I'm still looking forward to reading the new Siri Has Fit, which is called A Woman Looking at Men Looking at Women. And she's actually been on the Let Up Show podcast. So I'm going to put a link to that. I, I listened to that while I went for a walk the other day. And it was just really fascinating to like hear her in real time because she's really smart and she's been around a long time. And she, she has a, a lot of experiences to share. So looking forward to getting to that once I finish my prescribed reading for the month. Sweet. Yeah. And then Joss had another question as well, right? Yeah, we have a few from her. Um, one was, which books give you the warm and fuzzies? So I actually really struggled with this. Uh, I was I was really trying to think about like how I feel emotionally and physically when I read books, and I don't I don't know that I ever really feel that way when I read books, which is maybe sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's when I go back and read childhood books. Because there's just that, like, the warmth of, of like, having read it before and, like, the nice memories associated with it. Yeah, and, that's very true. And the comfort of, like, going back to something that's very familiar. Mm. So for me, that would be stuff like Danny the Champion of the World. And I actually got that feeling as well when I was reading um, Roald Dahl's short stories. He has a short story that that's kind of a precursor to Danny the Champion of the World. It has the bit where they put the, you know, they put the hairs in the raisins to catch the the pheasants because when the pheasants (laughs) eat the raisins that have the hair in it it makes them like bob their heads and then they they just it's like a way of um incapacitating them and that was in another story and i was like "Ah, i see where that came from (laughs) um yeah i guess yeah childhood books is a good one actually i do i do definitely have that like nostalgia kick when i read um things that i loved as a kid like i I reread a couple of judy bloom books 
yeah, uh, like maybe two or three years ago now, which was really nice. Um, and then the the follow on from that is what are our favorite comfort reads? Oh, so this I definitely have more for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, although when I was thinking about it, I didn't have that many like recent ones, but um, or that I've read recently. But I really like to read stuff by and about the Mitford sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, so just reading about their kind of like ridiculous lives in the earlier part of the 20th century is always really entertaining. Um, I find comfort in food writing a lot. So if I'm having like a blue weekend day and I just want to lay on the sofa and read biscuits, read biscuits, eat biscuits. <laughs> no, there's no time to read. They're in my mouth. <laughs> Uh, eat biscuits and drink hot chocolate then uh, I do like to take a little stack of like food books through so um, so I really like writing by Calvin Trillin who has written for the New Yorker for years um, le- this past weekend really sadly A.A. A. Gill died and I have been a long time fan of his food writing and um, restaurant reviews and so if you do a search for his name at the moment online there'll be lots of archived stuff that he's done that's um, out there people like Nigel Slater has a couple of really good food kind of not recipe books but just kind of writing about food Mm -hmm. and I do yeah I find that really lovely to read and usually inspires me like to get in the kitchen and make something nice yeah oh that's nice I've never really gotten into food writing I don't know why I think I was just arrogant about what I thought I knew or something or that I knew that I liked (laughs) yeah those are good ones um i'm not really sure what mine are i like going back to something that i know is going to be like fairly light and like not necessarily happy but just like easy to read so you know stuff like the the humorous stuff that we talked about in the past like david sedaris is always nice to read um occasionally i'll just go to like his new yorker or his new york we just talked about this his new yorker page um and like read like the kind of standalone stuff um, or you know something like the buy the book articles. I really enjoy reading those when I just like need a wee bit of inspiration. Um, those are kind of nice to just sit and read through. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's like it's kind of hard for me to think of things that I return to because I get rid of so many of my books. Um, yeah, I think yeah, also I was... for me sometimes it's just a case of um, if I'm in a particular headspace where I need some comfort, it's not really going to be. From books, often I guess mm-hmm. I just watch like TV to zone out or like flick through magazines. Yeah, I quite often watch a lot of YouTube when I just need a bit of comforting because it, it's kind of like a nice way to feel like you're doing something when you're not, like watching people and living vicariously through them or mm-hmm. just like watching someone with a calming voice put makeup on. <laughs> my comfort activities. I saw an amazing video today that we will have to link to where a girl had done a makeup tutorial but her dad had narrated it and it was Uh, hilarious and I was crying laughing on the train (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a few people do like their boyfriend narrating them I haven't actually watched any yet but I saw a couple of people mention that they were working on one so yeah that'd be an interesting fad if that goes around yes (laughs) (laughs) um Jen asked what was your relationship to books like in childhood we have done an episode on like our favorite childhood reads so we'll link that in the show notes um, mm. I would say that I just like to read things over and over and over again when I was a kid, which is why I have like such specific favourites. Yeah, I read I read a lot as a kid, and I had a lot of visits to the local library. 
and I read like every point horror story that they had, every Judy Bloom book, a lot of non-fiction stuff as well. But like, I know that I did, but I can't really remember specifically mm-hmm. what I read or liked. Um, I was always like, I'd always finish a book and then just put it under my pillow and then my pillow would get higher and higher. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my parents were really cross about that and, and my poor neck. Yeah, I loved I loved reading as a kid. I've kind of, we talked before about how it kind of maybe fell a bit by the wayside in our teens, but then it was nice to pick back up in our 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also remember like going to the library and getting like the same Judy Bloom books out over and over our and it was a book that I remember having. I really liked epistolary novels, so anything that was like letters back and forth. Yeah. And there was one book in particular that's like the only book in my life that I can't remember the name of. Um, it was about two girls like who were pen pals who ranked each other. And I well, surely I somebody can, surely somebody listening can help us solve that mystery. Yeah. Well, it had it had like a pictures of two girls in the front, and I remember it was a blue cover. And I think they both had brown hair. I think it was like fairly uninventive in that regard. But yeah, if anyone, if that sounds familiar to anyone, let us know, and maybe mm. we can do some detective work. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to go back and request the uh, the archive of what books you took out? I know. Yeah, Evan I'm used not to sure joke, they even kept that data. Yeah, Evan used to joke that like if God exists, he wants a tally at the end of his life of like how many times he swore. Like, how many times he did whatever. So that would be a good one. Just a list of all the books that you read and how many times. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. Um, and then their question from Jen was, what are your reading plans for the future? Are we going to talk about this in our next episode? I think we should, yeah. yeah. I think it might, might be a slightly meaty topic. Yeah, I think our next episode we'll be talking about some of our favourite books of 2016 and some of our plans for 2017. So listen out for that in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, you read the next one. So our friend on Twitter, Tudor Geek, t- uh, tweeted us to say, what are your thoughts on and how do you get on with audiobooks? I'm struggling to listen to any fiction. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I kind of struggle with listening to fiction on audiobook as well. I go through phases with audiobooks. I've been listening to them a wee bit recently because I've been trying to take like 40-minute walks in the evenings because I just don't walk anywhere ever <laughs> if I don't do that. Um, but I do prefer non-fiction on audiobook I've really enjoyed stuff that's like read by the author Um, so a few things I listened to last year were like One Summer America 1927 by Bill Bryson An An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by Chris Hadfield Um, what else Yes Please by Amy Poehler Between the World and Me by Tanhazi Coates was great on audio Um, and obviously David Sedaris's again um, I just started listening to Scribble Scribble and Crazy Salad by Nora Ephron. Um, oh, yeah. Which is actually narrated by Kathy Mazur. Um, so that's a bit different, but I, I wasn't that familiar with Nora Ephron's like, voice. Um, and it, it is read as if she wrote it. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I enjoyed that one. Um, and then I think I mentioned last time that I really liked The Antidote by Oliver Berkman because he was a really good reader. Uh, but yeah, I haven't listened to a lot of fiction, to be honest. Um, one that I did listen to was uh, Michael C. Hall reading Breakfast at Tiffany's um, because the PR nice. company got in touch and offered me it for review and I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. So maybe that's something that you could try is like, are there actors that you like who have narrated like specific things? I know Rachel McAdams recently did Anne of Green Gables um, and I've downloaded Lin-Manuel Miranda reading a book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. 
um, which I've been meaning to get around to. So those might be ways in to fiction. Yeah. But I think I, I think I have trouble with it because I do I do kind of zone in and out. And I think with nonfiction, you can sometimes get away with that a wee bit more, especially if it's like a personal story, or it's easier to yeah. just like skip back thirty seconds and go, okay, I'm listening this time. Yeah, I think I'm the same as you in that I've listened to quite a few non-fiction audiobooks and enjoyed them um, and not as many fiction. One that I did really like, and I guess the format would work really well for other books, is a book called, it's it's sometimes called Little Lies, but sometimes it's called Big Little Lies. I think it has a um, cross-territory rights thing to the title. Um, but that's by Leanne Moriarty, and she is an Australian writer, and it is written, it's kind of about like multiple different families and something that happens at a party and, you know, the consequences of the, um, you know, who was there and kind of what they saw and what they've said about it and, you know, what the truth is and stuff like that. And there's so many characters in that, but the narrator does an excellent job of giving a different voice to each of them. Mm -hmm. So I actually found that I probably enjoyed that more on audiobook than I might have by reading it because it would have been a bit harder to keep up with who was who. Mm-hmm. especially in the kind of early stage um and there's also a lot of kids in that book as well and they have distinct voices too so I guess if there's a book that yeah has a lot a lot of different characters involved in the story that might be worth a go on audiobook yeah you can also get the cast recordings once in a while I listened to a wee bit of um his dark materials by Philip Pullman the first one is the northern lights so I listened to that last year um because I was reading it as like part of a read-along and I listened to some of it on then like the cast recording and that was interesting because it had like the narration and then like when the characters spoke you heard the characters speak so it's like an Ooh. interesting mix of a play and a novel that is interesting yeah. I like that so I might want to give those a go yeah good luck <laughs> <laughs> and then she also asked do you try and follow any of the reading lists like books to read before a certain age or books to read before you die and if so, which ones? I'm keen to know your thoughts on this. Um, I don't really seek them out, but when they do the rounds, I will have like a pick through and I'll see what I've already read and see what they're suggesting. Um, they're obviously like highly mixed and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, subjective. Like there's the BBC one, is it 100 books? The BBC 100 books to read before you die or something like that. And it has some really good stuff on it and some really important stuff, but then it's also got this very like mid two thousands focus. I remember like the Time Traveler's Wife is on it, and the Harry Potter books are on it as one book, and like Da Vinci Code is on there. And I feel like if you wrote one today, you probably wouldn't put the Da Vinci Code on there, oh, or like the Lovely Bones or books like that. So I think like a lot of them do get very concerned with time. I don't read a whole lot of classics, so I think that's one of the reasons that I shy away from lists or like focusing on a list. And mm. yeah, I think they're interesting, but I, I, I'm just not that interested in prescribing my reading. It's like I'd rather read stuff that I find interesting rather than stuff that has been like arbitrarily put on a list together. But they're fun to like look at and go, all right, how many of these have I read? And is there anything that I, I want to look into? Yeah, that basically sums up my thoughts about them. I like to. I like to have a look at them and sometimes we'll draw inspiration for things to go on my wish list. Um, but I, I don't take kind of dictation from them. Mm-hmm. It's always fun though, if you find one and you're like, Oh yeah, I've read almost all of this. That makes you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel nice and snobby. And if anyone has missed it, we did an episode on the Rory Gilmore reading challenge list. Uh, not so long ago like that in our show notes. 
And I've been waiting for someone to update that since the revival. Oh, have they not? Well, I haven't seen it. I'm sure someone oh. has. We'll have to dig it out. Yeah, when I look into that. Mm. Um, our good friend Paul Fedori asked, why is Margaret Atwood awful? <laughs> but Paul is from Canada and he knows that I like to read and so he's always asked me about Margaret Atwood, but I've actually read a couple of her books. So I don't really have a comment on that, to be honest, but hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in the same position. I know that people love her. I haven't read enough to really have a, a strong opinion either way. So uh, do your homework, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, Debbie asked us, what is one book that you wish more people would read or try? I'm struggling with this one because I don't, I kind of like there's lots of ways you can slice it and nothing really oh. popped into my head immediately. Um, in terms of like books that I wish people would read that I could so I could talk to them about it. Um one of them is I've talked about it recently, but it's called The Other Typist by Suzanne Rendell. Um she actually has a new novel out, so I wonder if people will find that. I think it's called like Three Martini Lunch. Mm. Um or Three Cocktail Lunch, something like that. I'll I'll link it. But um I'm hoping that maybe that'll like be a bit of a revival that people remember who she is. Um and then I keep mentioning David Starris today for some reason, but um his most recent one is my favourite, which is Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls. And I think that's an unpopular opinion. Um, but I find that often people, I, I see people saying like, all right, I'm going to give them a shot. And then they read like Me Talk Pretty one day and they go, eh, it wasn't as fun as I expected. And then they put it down and they don't go back to them. Um, so oh. I wish I had more people to talk to about that book as well. Yeah, that's it. That's a good pick. Um, for me, it, again, it's selfish. It's so that I could talk to people about it. But I wish more people would read Housefrau by Jill Alexander uh, Espel. Yeah. We and really the, that. We did. And the reason I think people might not pick it is because the paperback has a really crap cover. So Housefrau is the story of a woman who um, she's a wife and a mother and she lives in Switzerland and has a very fine lovely well-to-do life but is deeply unhappy and um looking for kind of meaning in you know lots of different areas of her life and I found it really like it stuck with me for a long time mm -hmm. um she's not particularly likable like you wouldn't really want to be a friend or you might like it's kind of it's hard to know what, what you know outwardly she puts out this perception of somebody who is quite nice but internally like not a not a particularly good person at all mm -hmm. um but I just I really enjoyed it I, I thought that it was really brilliant writing it didn't go the way that I expected it to so I recommend it to a lot of people but the cover is just like a woman's chest in like a white shirt it makes it look like a kind of frolicky jilly cooper type novel mm. um which it isn't at all so i think that a lot of people might see it on the shelf and not necessarily pick it up um and i would definitely recommend that people do yeah it's a very tricky one i can imagine being a cover designer it would be a very difficult one to draw yeah oh yeah for sure i'm pretty sure i'm thinking of the u.s cover which i think just has like symbols on it it's like very inscrutable the one of the covers has like um I, like, I think it's like a cross stitch on it. Oh, the that's title what I'm is, of, yeah. is being stitched. Mm -hmm. um, but I've definitely seen other covers which I, I preferred. I mean, you know, and I'm no, I'm no cover artist. Maybe maybe lots of people would see this and think, "Ooh, a sexy book," and mm -hmm. um, and pick it up for that reason. But uh, yeah, I, I I highly recommend that to anyone listening. Yeah. 
That's a good one. Um, and Amy asked us, what's your favourite book to read over the Christmas break? This is a great question. So I think that Christmas, depending on how much time you have off, and hopefully it's a good chunk, is the perfect time to tackle a big book mm -hmm. or um, several smaller ones. So a few years ago, I read The Goldfinch in the days between Christmas, and it was so wonderful. I basically just stayed in bed and got up to eat mince pies and get some wine and then go back and read another 50 pages or so. And that's a big book. It's like 700, 800 pages. So that was wonderful. Um, this year, I think I'm going to plan to try to read a few more easier books. Mm -hmm. In the, I think there's also the risk at Christmas that you can kind of, your body and your brain needs the rest. And um, it's very easy to just find yourself napping quite a lot. Yeah, And then if you're reading a, a really gripping or challenging book, then it can feel a bit dissatisfying if you just keep dozing off. So um, I think I'm going to go for probably some essay collections this Christmas. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I'm up for essay collections any time of year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm actually curious now what I read in the past few years. Um, I don't have my spreadsheet open, but... I don't think I really have like a particular type of book that I read during Christmas. I did read um, A Christmas Carol a few years ago and that was quite fun. Um, it was very, it was like almost over familiar but it's nice to like go back to the source material. Um, yeah. I actually find that my best reading days tend to be at the beginning of a new year. Somehow I always start the new year with a great book. Yeah, I've definitely had Januarys where I've read like seven or eight books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably from just doing not much else yeah so yeah I don't know if I have any like particular recommendations I'd, I I do like to kind of catch up on some things that I've missed like stuff I've been trying to get to um and I often like try to finish books that I've been midway through of which this year I have quite a few I think I've, I'm in the middle of like four or five books at the moment and mm. that's not even including the ones that I've already declared as given up on so um yeah, I think this Christmas time, I just I want to read some stuff that's like quite light and fun, and not too taxing, and maybe something Christmas themed. A good one to read around Christmas time is um, by John Green, Lauren Miracle, and Maureen Johnson. It's called Let It Snow, and if you like a good like YA road trip type romp, that that's a great one to revisit. Oh yeah, that's a good shout. Another Christmassy one that someone was talking about recently, which I might give a shot if I'm in the mood for it, is Dash and Lily's Book of Dares by Rachel Kahn and David Levithan, um, which is like a YA, kind of another Christmassy one. And then they've just brought out a sequel, which is called The Twelve Days of Dash and Lily. So if you're looking for something oh, that's nice. like purely Christmassy, I think that would be a good one. They also wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which was made into a film uh, probably like mm. five years ago. So those are some options as well if you want something like quite kind of light and frothy and nice to read during Christmas time. Yeah, that's a good shout. So I've loved doing this Q&A episode. Yeah, it's been fun. It's, it's been really nice to answer some stuff that comes from listeners. Um, and we are going to be back in a couple of weeks with our end of year favourite books from 2016, what we're looking forward to in terms of challenges for 2017. And um, if you have any questions, then you can get in touch with us, but we may not have many more episodes to answer them on. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, we'll definitely get back to, we'll, we try to answer everything on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at bookishblether on both of those. And as always, if you have a longer question that won't find a tweet, you can email us bookishblether at gmail.com. 
Mm-hmm. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Holly June Smith. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter at Robotnik and my website is robotnik.co. I took a wee break from my, um, my newsletter but it's back now so you can read that on my blog. And don't forget to check out our show notes because we've mentioned loads of stuff this time. You can find those on our Tumblr, bookishblather.tumblr.com. Yeah, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more bookish blather. Happy reading! <laughs>